on this week's episode of Basic, a bonus episode in which we talk about the state of cable television. Happy holidays and welcome to Basic, the official podcast of the unofficial history of cable television. I'm Doug Herzog, a former TV executive. And I'm Jen Chaney, TV critic at Vulture and New York Magazine. We hope everyone's having a great holiday season. We've just finished our season, as in season two, and we'll be back on January 11th with brand new episodes. Now, if you've listened to this podcast at all, we hope you have. You know, it's all about cable television, a platform that at the end of 2022 seems to be in deep decline, Jen. Yeah. So today we thought we'd spend a little time talking about the state of cable TV as we enter into a new year. Now, we're recording this podcast in early December, and what's hitting our Twitter feeds over the last couple of days is massive layoffs and a CEO leaving at AMC Network, you know, the which was the home of Mad Men and Walking Dead, which just finished its run. Um, some layoffs coming at CNN, and it's uh, it's and and also reports of you know cable penetration uh, dipping to around fifty percent of the country, you know, versus almost a hundred percent where it used to be back in its heyday. Yeah, I mean, this is at least in my recent memory, I can't think of a more kind of tumultuous year for the medium in terms of the shakeups that you're talking about. Um, not just in cable, but going into streaming as well. It just feels like everybody is really scrambling to figure out what to do um, and what what makes sense going forward in terms of a strategy for releasing new shows. Yeah, we've seen Bob Iger come back to a a fumbling Disney uh, Corporation, which is yet to really figure out um, how to hit this on the head long term. But it's really ironic, actually, you know, streaming, which is part of the reason that I think uh, cables in decline, certainly one of the biggest reasons cables in decline is struggling itself here at the end of 2022. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, I believe it was someone at AMC when they announced that they were going to be laying off 20% of the workforce um, that attributed at least some of that to cord cutting um, and the fact that streaming hasn't been able to counterbalance the decline in, in cable TV subscriptions that you were just talking about. So it just feels like where do we go from here? And the answer is, I have no clue. And I don't know if anybody else does either. Yeah, I, I wish I did. I, I certainly don't. And it's probably uh, one of the reasons I'm sitting home in my closet. <laughs> but, you know, AMC is AMC is an example. You know, it's a standalone network, right? It's not part of a, a, a bigger suite of networks like, say, you know, uh, the Paramount Viacom Group or, or Discovery. AMC owns IFC. There's There's like a broader. That's true. AMC family, but it's not like a behemoth. But they're small, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're small. And then, you know, when you're done watching Mad Men or Walking Dead or Breaking Bad, which are some of the best shows ever on basic cable television um, and some of the most influential and, and, and really some of the biggest. But when you strip that all away, you know, what's really there and, you know, what can people expect to pay for if they're going to one day pay for AMC you know, sort of in an a la carte world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because AMC has AMC Plus and certainly the AMC shows all wind up there, but they also have their own original programming. And I know they've been trying to get people to subscribe. I don't know what the su- subscriber numbers are for that off the top of my head. But um, I think that's a huge challenge is, you know, I feel like we've talked about this before, but there was a time when everybody would pay for like a basic cable package and they would go, I wish I could do this a la carte and pick the channels that I want. And now everything is so a la carte that you're paying for like 15 streaming platforms and cable and, and NFL Sunday or whatever you get. And it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And it's hard to figure out where to find even certain shows. 
and all the all the biggest companies, you know, even a mid-sized company like AMC, but you know, Paramount or Discovery, you know, Warner um, or Disney, whoever it is, they have been, you know, continually sort of cutting back on what they put on their basic cable networks versus, you know, what they're sort of stuffing into their streaming uh, uh, platforms. And so we're at this weird place, I think, where, you know, basic cable is 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 losing subscribers and, and losing programming. Uh, everything seems to be going to the streamers. But like, as I said, they don't seem to have figured it out yet. Yeah. I mean, FX, which is a has always been a really great network for original programming, they have also started putting things direct to Hulu, something they've been doing for a while, and they were branding it as FX on Hulu. But then that brand went away. So it's even when I'm writing about these shows, I don't even know what to call them. I'm like, this is on Hulu, but it's not a Hulu show. It's technically an FX show, but it's not FX on Hulu because we don't call it that anymore. And I'm just like, I don't know what to say. It's really confusing. It is very confusing. Or maybe it's less confusing for people outside of the industry because they just turn on Hulu and they see reservation dogs and they just start watching it and they don't really care <laughs> where it came you, you from. You know, I, I, I ran into uh, John Langraff, who's the chairman of the FX networks and one of the great TV programmers of, of my generation, for sure, of any or any generation. Uh, I ran into him yesterday. And uh, first thing that came to mind, because I just ha- happened to be watching it, is I said, oh, hey, I've been watching Chippendales. I'm really enjoying it on Hulu. And he said, oh, that's not ours. Right. That's a Hulu one. That's a Hulu show. It's not an FX show. I just automatically assume somehow if it was a drama and it was on Hulu, it was coming from FX, but it's not. He said, no, I've got the other thing, the Jesse Eisenberg thing, the name of which escapes me. Fleischman is in trouble, which is terrific. Yeah, that's an FX show. Yeah, which is also terrific. Um, Kind of a sort of a Woody Allen the series to me, but... Don't you dare. (laughs) Taffy is going to have a fit if she hears you comparing her to Woody Allen. Oh, my God. So... So, uh, but anyway, just again, you know, a, a indication of how jumbled and confusing it is all out there. And, you know, as somebody who made his living sort of um, uh, developing and programming cable brands, it's a little sad for me to see these, all these brands, whether it's AMC or FX or Comedy Central or MTV, whatever it is, to sort of see them diminished um, over time and, um I, you know, I'll miss them as a viewer. I mean, I think there was something to be said for the kind of curation they provided, um, you know, those of us, you know, trying to figure out what to watch and where to go. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that before, but I, I do think that's part of the reason maybe why cable also doesn't have the same pull anymore because people don't have those brand associations. Um, and I think, you know, FX should be like the A24 of TV, um, right. everybody knows what A24 is and they, and it's like, means something. I know if I see an A24 movie, it means something. Yeah. And FX absolutely has established itself over the years in the same way. But now I just think people don't, people don't know where their TV shows are, are coming from. I mean, I constantly hear people call things Netflix shows when they were first on AMC or NBC or something else. But as we're talking about the demise of cable at the same time, the most successful show on television at the moment is a basic cable show. That's right. And that's Yellowstone, which has that's spawned right. an entire universe um, because I guess Taylor Sheridan, who created it, just doesn't sleep and just keeps writing TV shows until he passes out. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but he's got a lot going on. Yeah, no, it's a it's a, an amazing run for, you know, Paramount, uh, Taylor and the whole sort of Yellowstone universe. I guess my question about Yellowstone is. Is it one of these shows that was 
you know, really bolstered by the fact that it was on a streamer and, uh, you know, got sort of, you know, wider distribution um, in, in, in that regard? Um, or do you feel like it's a legit cable hit? I feel like it's a legit cable hit. And in fact, the streaming around it is so confusing because you would think that to watch Yellowstone, you would go to Paramount Plus since the show right. airs on the Paramount Network. However, that's not how it works. Uh, Yellowstone is on Peacock because Paramount sold Yellowstone to Peacock, I think without thinking it through clearly enough to realize that it should be on Paramount Plus. And so, so, and I don't think Peacock has huge uh, household penetration at this point. Um, I feel like a lot, they've had some great shows that just haven't really hit because I don't know how many people are fully aware of all their original programming. So I feel like that audience for Yellowstone really started in cable and, and has, has stayed there. I mean, they get, you know, 16 million viewers or something. On Big some numbers, days. real numbers. Yeah, real, like, legitimate numbers that you don't see anymore. Yeah, and it's incredible. I mean, you know, we've talked on the show about maybe, you know, The Walking Dead having been the last of the great big cable hits, but clearly there's one more. Yeah, yeah. So so we will not bury basic cable yet because there's – we'll always be surprised. Something something could change. These little hits come along and, and – uh, Are you saying the rumors of basic cable's demise have been greatly exaggerated? Um, I would not say greatly exaggerated. I would say slightly exaggerated or maybe just like, I just hope they're not as bad as they sound. <laughs> right. Another show that broke through on basic cable um, and also through a streamer as well in this new sort of hybrid world, not not quite the level of Yellowstone, but a lot of critical acclaim was The Bear. Yeah, a great, great show um, is on my list of the top 10 TV shows of the year. I've never worked in a kitchen but I feel like I have because I watched that show because it just yep. really recreated the tension and the stress uh, involved in having to fulfill orders and, and deal with coworkers and all that kind of stuff. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. That's right. <laughs> okay. So now that you mentioned your list, Jen, what else is on Jen's top 10 list of the year? Do you want to know everything or just the basic cable ones? Let's run them down. I think our audience would would love to hear what you're watching. Sure, and and as always, you can read more about this on Vulture. Um, all of my list and my colleagues' uh, lists, um, Roxana Haddadi and Catherine Van Arendonk, they're represented there as well. Um, but going from ten to one, ten was Abbott Elementary for me. Mm -hmm. Network TV show proving that the network sitcom is also not dead. It's not yeah. thriving, but. There's still some life in it. Not dead yet. Yep. Um, then number nine was a show called This Is Going to Hurt that is a British show and was picked up on AMC Plus, which we referenced earlier. Uh, and it's just a great, great medical series um, with Ben Wishaw in the lead, uh, just showing the healthcare system in, in the UK and how broken it is and the strain it puts on on the doctors and nurses who work in that environment. Uh, it's just incredibly, incredibly well done. My number eight is The Last Movie Stars. This is the documentary that Ethan Hawke made about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Oh, yeah. That's on HBO Max. And at first I was like, he made this in lockdown and it's going to be a lot of talking heads, maybe over deifying Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And it was not that at all. Um, he did a really beautiful job of bringing in voices to actually read the words that Paul Newman had written or things that Joanne Woodward had said. Right. Um, and really showing them as full, flawed, yet still very admirable human beings. So that's a great one. And there's a bio on the market now too, right? Uh, by there Paul. is, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
hey, I got a basic cable one, yeah. Better Things on FX. Um, that show came to an end. Um, this was Pamela Adlon's series about uh, a single working mom that is just so delightful. And I, I really hope more people discover it. Um, yeah, cool show. Even though it's over, it's all streaming, of course, like everything. Yep. Number six on my list is The Bear, which we've talked about. And actually, we were wrong. This is an FX show, but it did not air on FX. It was actually strictly streaming on Hulu to underline the point again of how confusing it is to remember exactly where you watch things and where they come from. Uh, and in fact, I'm just pulling up my press release that I got when it came out, or actually when the trailer launched earlier this year, and the, the subject line says, FX is the bear. And then you get into the email, and it says, all episodes streaming exclusively on Hulu. <laughs> yeah, like, super, what? super confusing. It is really confusing. And then number five is another example, Reservation Dogs, which is an FX show that I believe was only on Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone who wants to can, can yell at me on Twitter. You, you, you keep going. I'm going to wiki it while you're going. Okay. <laughs> that show was in its second season this year. And if you've never seen it, it's a really refreshing, smart, insightful portrait of young adults living um, on a Native American reservation in Oklahoma. It's really, really great. Number four on my list is, I'm sorry, we're going to have to go premium cable with Barry. Um, I thought the third season of Barry was just outstanding on every conceivable level. Uh, number three, another premium cable, Somebody Somewhere. Um, this is another show that launched this year. It stars Bridget Everett as a woman who moves back to her small Kansas town after her sister passes away. And it's just one of those shows, every episode you laugh and cry, sometimes at the same time. It's just really terrific. Uh, my number two, basic cable, guys. Better Call Saul. <laughs> Final season. Uh, just... One of the best shows I think ever, and maybe I think the best spinoff that's ever been made um, because it sounded like it would be such a bad idea and it complements Breaking Bad, but it stands alone perfectly on its own as a, as a really brilliant and I would say controversial opinion, better show than Breaking Bad. Oh, whoa, hot take. Yep. I mean, Breaking Bad's terrific, but I, that show didn't make me feel as many things as Better Call Saul. Dead. I'm going to have to go. I've never watched Better Call Saul. I'm going to have to go back and maybe start from the beginning and, you absolutely and, and dig in. Yeah. And you can do that, I think, on Netflix just to make things really confusing. Right. <laughs> uh, and then I'm sorry to say, for the sake of this podcast, the number one show on my list is Severance, which is Apple TV. Um, you may have noticed, or maybe you didn't, I, I, may, I went out of my way not to do any shows on this list that are based on existing IP or true stories that we already know, even though there were some very good shows in that under that umbrella, like Andor, um, The Dropout was great. But I really, people have become so averse to original programming that I made it a, a goal. I'm like, I'm only putting original things on here. So That's great. That's a great list. And Severance was a great show. Of course, we had Ben Stiller on uh, earlier mm -hmm. uh, this year. Uh, you can check that out in our uh, in our catalog. And just uh, doubling back, Reservation Dogs was was uh, FX on Hulu. I thought so. Yeah, so like the bear, not yeah. So not an FX show. And there's a couple two two shows. But on it there. is an FX show in a sense. It, but right in a sense, right? Uh, <laughs> not in, right. Uh, and then two two shows on there. I I don't think I've maybe I've heard you talk about, but uh, I've certainly never seen that. I got to go uh, do a little research on. But that's a that's that's a uh, that's a that's a great list. A lot a lot of great TV out there. Those are hard things to do these days. Put it into top tens. Yeah, you're telling me. 
Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You know, Jen, one of the things that um, streaming has uh, sort of ushered in is this era of you can watch anything at any time, anywhere. And so the idea, and we've talked about this before on on, uh, on the podcast, you know, the idea of a, uh, a day part, like late night, right? Like staying up to 1130 to get some comedian's take on the day, that... That seems like an antiquated notion in, in 2022, and, and uh, we're starting to see ratings decline there and sort of shows fall away. And we saw two cable shows um, impacted by that, I think, uh, this year. One is Sam B. Show went away um, mm-hmm. on, uh, on TBS, and, and, of course, Trevor Noah is, uh, has announced you know, he's leaving The Daily Show. So um, I, I, I guess The Daily Show will go on, but uh, it brings up the larger question is what is the fate of late night, and particularly late night on on cable, which was always like, you know, kind of the B team compared to the networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and on the premium cable side, we lost, uh, Daisies and Miro as well. And we had Kid Mare on That's right. a podcast earlier as well. That's right. Um, so this is not just affecting basic cable. It's the whole genre, a genre with a title that doesn't mean anything anymore. Like you said, because late night is describing the time you watch them, which no one does late at night anymore. I don't have the answer to where it's going. I just think it's it's more and more reliant on the internet than it is on who's watching it on television because that's where you get you know that's where people are are seeing it they're seeing clips right. they're seeing you know Jimmy Fallon playing some silly game with whoever his guest is and trying to make that kind of go viral but nobody I shouldn't say nobody and you're getting your you're getting your jokes all day from a, from a number from dozens if not hundreds of sources so by the time you get to late night which is where we would stay up to hear you know Johnny or John Stewart you know give his thoughts on the day uh, and his jokes on the day like you've kind of heard them all if you're you know if you're on social media yeah I mean back in the day I would just I would turn on Letterman and I would just watch all of Letterman because that's what you did that's what you did the only late night show lately that I that I ever turn on and watch in full is is John Oliver's show on HBO. And I don't even always do that. I mean, it's just it doesn't feel like 
appointment television so much as if something's buzzing around something that happened on one of the shows, I'll take a look at it. But that's kind of the extent. As we come to the close of season two here, uh, and we've done, uh, you know, over 30 episodes of the show and with more to come. My question for you, Jen, is what have we learned? Gosh, I've learned so much, especially from you, Doug. Um, But I don't know if this is a a thing I learned or just a thing I now have an even deeper understanding of, which is what a fucking circus it was working in cable television (laughs) in the early days. And like it was how absolutely out of bounds almost everything would be if you if you tried to do what you guys were doing back then now, like everything would be shut down by HR. Like none of these networks would have ever existed. (laughs) That's there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, we, you know, unlike the broadcast networks, you know, we weren't governed by the FCC. And so, you know, ultimately we had to live with ourselves and with what our advertisers and, you know, cable operators would put up with. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the way, they were pretty conservative, both conservative groups and the uh, cable operators, very conservative groups. So that was always where the the, uh, rubber meant the road. But yeah, those were, you know, crazy, crazy fun days. We've heard a lot of those stories. The thing that I've learned and we've talked about here is even people who spent their entire careers in basic cable don't know what basic cable is. I mean, almost every show we have, we go to that last question. We say, what's your favorite basic cable show? And somebody goes, uh, and they think we're, they think it's like an HBO show, which we go, no, that's premium cable. Or they, or they mention a broadcast show. We go, no, that was broadcast. I mean, even Alan Hunter, um, uh, who's coming up in season three, who literally spoke pretty eloquently about his early days in quote, basic cable. When it came time to answer that question, he had a little trouble wrapping his head around it. Yeah. I mean, I understand it from younger people who, as we've talked about, they don't think in those terms anymore at all. But I guess I always thought people knew what basic cable was. Like, I just thought it was a common term. And um, yeah, that has been kind of uh, illuminating. A little depressing. A little depressing. (laughs) These people still come on the podcast. But but Jen, Jen, that's why we're here. We're going to we are going to force the issue of basic cable down the throats of American listeners. We are going to make everyone understand this thing w- that won't exist for much longer. That's right. If it's right. the last thing we do. If, if, if it's and, and, and it may be the last thing we do. But the <laughs> next to last thing we do is going to have another special bonus episode next week. So before we do the last thing we ever do, uh, we do want to remind you that we have a third season coming up. It starts on January 11th and we're going to have brand new interviews with some really, really great guests. John Stewart. Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame, Bravo's Andy Cohen, Trevor Noah, who we also mentioned uh, earlier, Weird Al Yankovic, John Taylor from Duran Duran, which will be the greatest day of my life, and (laughs) FX chairman John Landgraf. And that's just a few of the names that you're going to hear from. So thanks for joining us today. Come back next week for another bonus episode where Jen and I ring in the new year and talk about our all-time favorite cable shows. Uh, We'll see you then. Basic is a Pantheon Media production in partnership with Sirius XM. Hosted by Jen Cheney and Doug Herzog. Produced by Christian Swain and Peter Ferrioli. Lindley Ehrlich is our assistant producer. Sound design and music by Jerry Danielson. Mixed and mastered by Brian Slusher. Recorded and edited by Zach Spisner. You can find Basic on Apple Podcasts, the Sirius XM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. If you like the show, please rate, review, and share so other people can find us. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.